You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, if you're listening to us live here on octalkradio.net, thank you for staying through the break. If you're listening to us a podcast, you're probably wondering, what am I talking about? Because this is a show in and of itself. We do two interviews a week on octalkradio.net. Uh, I've invited Sue Farron, who's program director at Aspire Recovery, to be on the show. With over 16 years of experience working as a therapist, clinical director, and program director in inpatient settings and treatment centers. Sue is committed to helping patients overcome their addiction, trauma, and abuse. Aspire Recovery offers comprehensive addiction recovery treatment and client case support. Sue joins us today to share some of the treatment programs Aspire has to offer, along with her insights into the business world. Sue, welcome to the program. Hi, Rick. Well, thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. Can you tell me a little bit how you got started working as a therapist and cl- clinical director? I began working in an inpatient setting and working as an individual therapist with patients. And I noticed that there was a direct correlation oftentimes with my patients, my clients, that had a history of trauma and abuse. Um, I became very interested in looking at clients, patients with addiction who had gone into treatment and continued to relapse and discovered that it was because they hadn't really looked at the abuse issues, the trauma issues. It really hadn't been dealt with with their individual therapist or the programs or whatever. And I began working in treatment programs that really exclusively focused on dealing with trauma and abuse. So, so you're with Aspire Recovery now. So, how, how does how does your career arc have you here at this point? Tell me a little bit about uh, Aspire. Well, Aspire um, is a, an organization. Um, first of all, it was developed by our um, CEO um, Nathan Donahue, who had been in treatment programs previously and really had the perspective that. He wanted to have a treatment program that was non-judgmental. Um, a lot of times when there's a history of addiction, um, people who are in programs feel that they're judged not only by their families and friends, but even sometimes in programs. So. Nathan contacted me. I I have um, a background of putting together programs and program development and contacted me and asked if I would come in and put together a program that was non-judgmental in nature, um, a comprehensive, uh, rich curriculum program um, that dealt not only with uh, addiction, but also helping clients with that, that had histories of trauma and abuse. Our treatment philosophy is uh, based on the psychologist Carl Rogers, where we believe that we provide, where we do provide, um, unconditional positive regard, which is accepting and respecting others at where they're at. So we do it without judgment. We bring clients in. We don't judge them. We um, give them what they need in terms of where they're at in their recovery process. Um, So far, it's been successful. So when you say without judgment, I I am sort of disheartened, I guess, to hear that 
people going to a recovery program and they're being judged by the people that are there to help them. Is that, is that what I heard you say many times? You did hear me say that. Um, it, sometimes it happens in programs as well. Um, I think people try to stay away from that who are working in recovery programs, but recovery programs have come a long way, um, and there's different treatment methodologies that are used, different treatment modalities that are used to work with clients, but treatment can, I mean, judgment can occur while clients are in treatment as well. So what are the level of services can you give? (coughs) May you give our audience a sense for sort of what type of services you guys offer? Yeah, you, you know what I would like to start with, Rick, is a lot of times people don't understand the levels of care. So if I could briefly go sure. over the levels of care. Um, if somebody is functioning pretty well in their life and they just need to see a therapist, they may see somebody on a weekly basis. Um, if they're therapists and they determine that they need more extensive, um, intensive treatment, they would be referred to what we call an intensive outpatient program. If, let's say, the person is still struggling and they need a higher level of care in terms of the um, continuity of care, they may be referred to a partial hospitalization program, which is a Monday through Friday, about five or six hours a day. From there, the next higher level of care is residential, where they actually live in a facility 24 hours a day. They're given lots of care, lots of um, comprehensive um, um, group coverage, individual therapy, that kind of thing. And if that still is not enough, they need inpatient services or hospitalization. So our program deals with outpatient, intensive um, IOP, intensive outpatient. There's outpatient, then there's IOP, intensive outpatient, and then there's partial hospitalization, PHP. We're in the process of re-looking at our PHP program, but at this point we provide all three levels of care. And where are you located? We're located on beautiful PCH in Huntington Beach. Oh, okay. That sounds like a good location. I mean, it's from an aesthetic point of view, from a surroundings. We have a number of beautiful sober living homes, which are by the beach. I see. Our, our program is unique in that we offer not only sober living homes, but transportation to and from our program. Um, we offer meal cards for clients. We offer gym membership. Um, and we also are activities for the weekend, and we offer our program in and of itself is very rich in terms of the evidence-based practices that we utilize. And I could go into the kinds of groups that we offer, um, but it, it's it's um, I don't want to be too clinical okay. in terms of the kinds of programs we offer, but we um, have. All of our clinicians are highly trained, and we offer a number of different groups as well as individual therapy for clients. I'm wondering if you might have um, a sense or some stats or statistics relative to kind of addiction and the severity of addiction. Can can you give us context for that? I do. Um, Let me just give you an overall Regarding alcohol dependency, 53% of Americans have at least one or more relative who are dependent on alcohol. What's that? What's dependent on alcohol mean? Dependent meaning that you don't just have a drink once in a while, that you actually need it. You're unable to function without the alcohol. Wow. 
and, and either depend on alcohol or that are classified as alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Every 19 minutes in the United States, someone dies of an overdose. Um, the majority of those are prescription opioid medications, such as, I'm, I know you've heard of these, hydrocodone, Oxycontin, Percocet. And a statistic that is the most startling to me, being in Orange County, is one person every other day dies of an accidental overdose from a prescription drug in Orange County. Wow. So you you mentioned opioids as being a problem. Is that, I mean, that I've heard, I've been seeing more and more coverage of this subject. From your perspective, have we, has something happened where we've hit a tipping point where um, it's more now in the conscience or, or why has this become more of a, I think it's a mainstream, it's becoming a mainstream conversation relative to addiction. Can, can you give me a sense for that, Sue? Well, I, I, absolutely. In the United States, even though we're only 6% of the world's population, we use 75% of the prescription opioids. Um, we have gone crazy in the United States, and it, it's in the news a lot. Um, there's a lot of legislation now. There are actually physicians that are going to jail for overprescribing, um, and our physicians are starting to look at um, utilizing non-opioid prescription medications as a way to deal with pain. Um, the American Society of Anesthesiologists recommend using alternative approaches as well as the non-steroid drugs like ibuprofen, naprosyn, Celebrex, and that kind of thing instead of the opioid prescriptions. Is this something that has, this addiction, this opioid addiction, has this been going on for some time and only kind of recently got to the tipping point? Or have people in the industry, in, in, in the addiction therapy industry, have you guys been fighting this and knowing this for, for longer? You know, you know what I'm trying to say, Sue? I know what you're trying to say. It's gradually creeped up with more and more physicians, and it definitely has reached a tipping point. Physicians are now looking at um, acupuncture, okay. um, other you know, yoga, meditation, other kinds of, of um, dealing with pain. It, it's definitely reached a tipping point, and there's some good legislation out there, and physicians are very aware of it. But we, we in this country, um, there was some research done, um, and some of the research was erroneous research, which said uh, prescription opioids were, were not as addictive as what, what were once thought, um, and, and physicians began prescribing them and actually began over-prescribing them. So I definitely think we've reached a tipping point, and it's going the other way. Interesting. One last question before we take our break, and we have about a minute until we're going to be taking our, our break here on Critical Mass Radio Show, Sue. Um, you mentioned prescription opioids, but I also know there's a, a severe issue with heroin, and I've seen many stories on, the, on on TV and articles on the Internet about this. Can you help our audience understand the correlation or relationship between the two? The interesting thing that people who aren't in the field don't realize is it's, it's in the same family. So a lot of times people have sort of a perception of people that use heroin um, as being very different than prescription opioid users. But what happens is people get 
hooked on opioid prescriptions and then turn to heroin because it's less expensive and more available. Less expensive and more available, and you don't need a prescription for it. Right. You get it on the street, right? Or even on the Internet nowadays. So really the heroin addiction, is a large percentage of that kind of been set up by their opioid addiction then? Is that is that what we're seeing? There's a direct correlation. A a direct correlation. Wow. Okay, well, we're going to take our, I hate on that note to take a short break, but ladies and gentlemen, it will be a short break. When we come back, I I want to talk some more with Sue about the impact of, of addiction in the United States on business, as well as kind of what's happening as far as on the other side of that relative to recovery and helping people overcome the addiction. So are you are you good with that, Sue? We'll talk about that when you come back. Yes, All right. I'm good with that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. We'll be back after this word from our sponsor. Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franz. You know, a great way to stay informed about our guests is to sign up for our weekly newsletter. Simply go to critical www.criticalmass4forbusiness.com. Criticalmass4business.com. At the bottom of any page is a join our mailing list box. Join our mailing list. Simply put your email address in there, hit subscribe, and you'll start receiving our weekly newsletter with information about our upcoming guests and special insights from me. It's the only newsletter from Critical Mass that you will receive. We don't do anything with your email address except subscribe you to the weekly newsletter. You can choose to unsubscribe if you want to in the future, but hopefully you wouldn't because you'll be seeing all the interesting guests like Sue Farron that we have here week in and week out on Critical Mass Radio Show. You know, Sue, before the break, uh, I said I, I kind of want to go in a couple different areas with you. Uh, I, I guess where I'd like to start is what is the ratio of success for individuals who seek professional treatment and p- care programs for addiction? I'd like to start off by saying that um, addiction is a brain disease that is treatable. Um, it, it's not always um, manageable, but in terms of um, chronic diseases like asthma and hypertension and diabetes, um, it can be managed. But unfortunately, like other chronic diseases, relapse is possible, and with addiction, it's actually likely. 
treatment of all chronic diseases, whether it's asthma, hypertension, or whatever, it involves changing behaviors. And when you have changing behaviors, which is why um, our behavioral health program is such a big part of our treatment program, but when you have changing behaviors, people can lapse back again to using drugs um, or alcohol again. So when that happens, like with all chronic diseases, it just means that treatment needs to be reinstated. And, um, okay, so I can understand, you know, I, I, I think that, where I want to go with this question, where I want to go with this question is when somebody comes in with a physical ailment, we as an employer... I think kind of go down one path with them. When they come in with a non-physical ailment, an addiction, I think many times, maybe it even goes back to what we said about in the open, the people are treated slightly differently than if they had, say, a, a bad heart or something. Is that, is that, an all, is that a, at all a contributing factor for the challenge of helping someone with an addiction seek treatment and then uh, get on a path to recovery? Absolutely, because there is a lot of shame and guilt involved with treatment. Um, if I'm using alcohol, I'm dependent on alcohol, I'm going to hide that from my family, whereas if I have high blood pressure or whatever, um, you know, I, I may tell them I'm going to the doctor, I'm attempting to lose weight, I'm on meds for that, and I'm exercising, and um, there is a lot of shame, and as I talked about earlier, there's still a lot of judgment connected to people that are suffering from addiction. Well, you know, and uh, a bigger topic, which, you know, I'm not prepared to talk about with you today, but it's sort of, as you described the philosophy on addiction, I think it's, I hear parallels in how we describe the philosophy around mental health. That sometimes people are, who have maybe a mental health disease, are expected to be able to overcome that disease themselves. Whereas if they came in again with a bad heart, people wouldn't say, well, if you just really try hard, you can heal your heart. It's, to me, it, it sort of sounds similar to addiction and how people are talked to and treated who have an addiction disease. Yes, that's true. And a lot of people with substance abuse issues have what we call co-occurring disorders, which are mental health disorders, mood disorders or thought disorders or whatever. Um, I, when I first began this work, I was surprised at how many people, um, again, going back to the issue of trauma, were self-medicating um, because they were having flashbacks. Maybe they had PTSD about um, early life experiences trauma that were perpetrated against them, um, and they had never been treated for it. They weren't even aware that they were self-medicating um, with substances in order to deal with, um, you know, their previous histories. We're talking with Sue Farron. She's Program Director at Aspire Recovery. You're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. I think we're dealing with a very serious topic here, and I, I really appreciate you giving of your time, Sue, to share a bit of what you know to help our audience of business owners kind of understand i wonder could you maybe give us a sense of what are a few signs of addiction that lead to an individual needing help some of the things to look for, and keep in mind that addiction can oftentimes be very gradual, so um, people who have addiction issues themselves aren't even aware of these things because it can be very gradual, are re recurrent arguments with family members, 
um, use of substances to sleep, to relax, to cheer up, to feel normal, um, uh, regular headaches, nausea, blackouts, memory loss. Um, secret drinking or using of drugs, especially alcohol in the morning, um, neglecting your regular activities. If you see somebody that's, um, you know, they're neglecting things that they enjoy doing, their appearance is changing, um, and isolating behavior. That, that's very common. Um, in the middle of someone's addiction, they tend to isolate and not interact with others. So have you, have you seen or... Uh, in your programs, have, do you deal with stress factors that maybe amplify for for a person with a, an addiction disease the the difficulty in, in kind of getting sober? I mean, can you talk about you know where business owners are listening to this and CEOs are listening to this who have very high stress jobs and many times I'm just wondering the, how the role of stress in in what you do. Stress plays a huge factor, um, not only in people using substances to relax and self-medicate, but also in relapse prevention. Um, We have um, what we call, um, well, we have mindfulness and meditation. Um, We have an EMDR therapist, which is eye movement desensitization reprocessing. Um, People, therapists, clinical folks on staff that actually help people be able to manage their stress and anxiety um, and be able to, um, you know, we, we teach clients coping skills so that they can manage their anxiety and stress levels um, so they are not triggered um, and, and they, are, they don't relapse. What's the finance? We just have a few minutes left here, probably about two minutes left on the radio show here, Critical Mass Radio Show. Sue, but what's the financial impact? Can you assess and do you have data that tells us the financial impact on business, especially small and medium-sized businesses from addiction-related issues? Yes, according to NIDA, which is the National Institute on Drug Abuse, substance abuse alone costs our nation over $700 billion annually, um, and most of that is in costs related to lost workplace productivity, um, health care costs, um, and costs related to crime. Uh, what else can I tell you? Um, of the 8.6 Americans that actually need treatment, only 0.09 receive it. Um, and in terms of business owners, I would recommend, um, if at all possible, they could have some employee assistance programs available. So if people do have substance abuse issues, that they have a therapist, someone they can go to to be assessed, to be referred to a treatment program, and, of course, providing health care for their staff so that, um, you know, helping subsidize health care so that they can seek treatment if they need it. So, so you're you're suggesting maybe a best practice is to have a confidential way for the employee to seek help uh, for addiction or health-related health issues. Yes, because okay. their organizations will be impacted, um, whether it's uh, you know up front or behind the scenes in terms of um, you know having to replace staff who are out on, with addiction-related issues or whatever. So, uh, final question for you, Sue, because uh, we're talking to business owners and CEOs. If you could give them some advice on how to open the door in this conversation, because um, I'm not sure what people are thinking as they're listening to this about how much of this they can bring into their culture and bring into their organization, but 
What advice would you give a CEO or a business owner who's well-intended, cares about their employees, um, but also wants to make sure that kind of they they do this uh, correctly? How, how would you say they start this conversation or bring about this awareness of addiction? I think having people with expertise um, that can assess employees in a non-threatening, non-judgmental environment, such as an employee assistance program, maybe even having lunchtime talks about the issues regarding substance abuse, um, even regarding mental health issues, um, regarding what we call the co-occurring disorders. Education is really important. Sometimes just having pamphlets out, how to seek treatment, um, and then having a, um, a perspective or at least putting out the perspective in an organization that um, addiction is something that um, people can seek help for and their jobs won't be compromised um, and that it is um, a chronic health care issue like others and, and that um, after treatment and people are doing well that they would be welcome back to the organization. Is this something? A service that Aspire Recovery can help a business owner with? I mean, is this, can you, do do you do any of those things? Are you able to connect them to people who can do those things? We absolutely can connect them to people and we can provide um, businesses with that information as well. Okay, so if someone wanted to reach out to you, how do they find your firm, your organization online? Um, We can be reached at www.aspire.com. TC for Treatment Center, AspireTC.com. And Aspire is spelled? A-S-P-I-R-E. Okay. Well, thank you for requesting to be on the show to talk about this topic. I appreciate the work that you and your organization are doing, and I'm, I'm glad to be able to bring this uh, addiction disease issue to the kind of consciousness of the critical mass community. So, Sue, thanks for being a friend of the program and a part of our community. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Uh, bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our engineer for today is our also sometimes guest host, Paul Roberts. Our producer is Joan Park. Crystal Nunley and Haley Stern are also producing the show. And I'm your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about the radio show, about our podcasts, or the CEO peer groups that I lead, my company's website is criticalmass4forbusiness.com. And until the next show, which is a week from today, if you're listening to the live stream on octalkradio.net, we'll be back here at 4 p.m. Pacific time. I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.